You're listening to Frontline by SpeakUp, the podcast dedicated to helping you create a thriving workplace where everyone feels connected. This is episode number three on creating a culture that drives performance. I'm your co-host, Matt Warnock. And I'm Lou Blair. Our guest today is Eva Belikova, brand and culture manager at the ever-growing European tech startup, Payconic. Welcome and thanks for joining us again. How are you doing, Lou? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. It's been a, a long time since we spoke on the podcast last when we were speaking about the difference between culture in the US and the UK. So I recommend people check that out if they're interested in that subject. What have you been up to the last few weeks? Well, I've been making use of European summer by traveling. So I'm on my way to Italy this weekend, but last weekend I was in Berlin. How was Berlin? <laughs> Berlin was amazing. Um, I was expecting it to be a bit more similar to Amsterdam, which was surprising, um, a good surprise, uh, but also frustrating because I didn't have any euros in my Dutch bank account and didn't have access to my credit card. So wasn't expecting uh, Berlin to be such a um, cash-only city. Yeah, it's a minefield now in terms of what you need to take to different places. And Berlin's very cash only. That caught me by surprise the first time we went there and other places. Amsterdam's almost all pin only now, right? Yep. So you can't really pay by cash anywhere, which is an awkward but, you know, suitable segue into our guest today who works for Payconic, who are very present in this space. So welcome, Eva. Thanks. Thank you for having me here. Um, do you want to explain really briefly what it is that Payconic does? Yeah. Uh, so we basically building a mobile payment application. We trying to kind of uh, build a cashless society. So uh, our mobile payment application is uh, replacing the wallet, also in the future. And um, yeah, that's what we do. Awesome. So for today's podcast, we're going to share and learn about how to create a culture that drives performance. Before we go into it, what exactly do we mean by performance? Are we talking about financial performance or is it something that's greater than that? Well, um, you can define performance, of course, uh, as a financial one, and that's as well uh, really important, especially for the companies. So you can measure the revenue and profitability, but the performance of the team has as well different uh, variations so uh it's basically for me from my perspective performance means how people getting things done if the product is delivered on time and if everybody has fun meanwhile if everybody is efficient if everybody has enough tools to basically uh achieve the common goals and can you tell us a little bit about your role particularly at Payconic Mm -hmm. uh how long you've been there and how you came to work for Payconic well, so um, uh, I am in Payconic uh, since February this year, yeah. and uh, one of my ex-colleague and a friend uh, basically had hunt me there, as they uh, really need to uh, grow the company faster way, and uh, therefore she was their only recruiter, and uh, she needed the help, uh, so I decided to join them, and uh, last uh, last six months we were uh, basically recruiting. So uh, we hired around like 60 people in six months. So that was really a great achievement. And uh, now it's time to build the culture 
and strategies. And uh, we have right now five member team and uh, we do everything uh, regard people strategies. So how to attract people, retain, upskill them and forecast as well for the future. 60 people over six months is obviously pretty huge growth, especially, you know, maybe if you're at a massive corporation, that's nothing. But when you're at a startup, that's obviously huge. What were some of the challenges that were involved in in scaling up that quickly? Well, uh, of course, uh, within the hiring, uh, there were a lot of challenging uh, challenging situations, especially in the coordination stage. So uh, all hiring managers, uh, mostly developers as well, need to find the time, needed to find the time for interviews, what uh, what was really time-consuming. And as well, hiring uh, that many people that fast, we didn't uh, have really times to do really proper uh, PIMP, the onboarding process. We did really well, but uh, still we could do better. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it creates uh, yeah atmosphere for, or it creates time when we, really now have to concentrate on other strategies so build an environment where people can perform. So what's next? Well, uh, now we are reshaping uh, our values and uh, trying to build uh, uh, behavioral guidelines through the values and give people a way of how they should work in a way how we would like to see it. And we believe that that will bring them to a great result in as one big team, one big company. Great. I love, uh, I was checking out your website the other day and I was uh, looking at your people pages. And I, I really like, you got some cool videos on there about the, the Paconians. Oh, yeah. As you call them. <laughs> and I really like the fact that you've, uh, you've got your five kind of company values out there on the website for, for everyone to see. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about the values? Yeah, I can. So uh, first, these values were uh, built as kind of our product brand values, mm-hmm. but we are pretty connected with them, and therefore we decided as well, we shaped them as well as uh, employee values, so we don't have to build like new ones. And what means uh, by reshaping them is that before, as a, as a company, brand value, a product value, you have kind of design principles, what means be bold or human or simple. But we didn't really establish what does it mean to behave like that. And uh, therefore, we right now trying to build the competencies for each value. What does it mean, like how employees should behave to get that result done in the uh, in a way that all of us are aligned and happy and productive and having a lot of fun meanwhile as well. Yeah. So I'm reading them from the site. Mm-hmm. You have a uh, bold, human, honest, playful, and simple. Yeah. Um, I like them because they're direct and mm. to the point and sometimes uh, company values can be a little vague yeah, and hard to true. interpret, which is uh, definitely not. Can you give me an example of how you're kind of making these play out. It's, it's kind of easy to put words on a page or to tell people that these are your values, but how, how are you making or how are your people living these values now? Yeah, well, be honest with you as well. That's what we're right now trying to really set up is how to really live it in a way that 
how we imagine as well, because for everybody being bold means sometimes something different. So it's right now hard to really say how we live it. So, so far we know being, for example, bold means take ownership and really take things done, uh, getting done and be accountable for, uh, for your work. So that's what we're trying, but we're trying to be as well more specific in that behavior, what we're expecting. Because if we will not specify these values more concretely, then people would not really understand what we really mean. So I can't really say how we live them, so far how we think. And uh, therefore, this is our new challenge to really specify it. Yeah. And how are you approaching that process of specifying? So uh, first, uh, we put this value down and then uh, uh, we're trying to, for each value, uh, bring uh, competencies. So uh, be bold means be accountable, for example. Mm -hmm. Or be human means empowering people and respect people. And then we're trying to build on every competencies, like three, four kind of a behavior uh, guidelines. What does it mean? Be accountable, basically, because that as well, people can understand different way. So be more result oriented and cooperate with the team. Great. And like I said, I like the, uh, I really like the videos that you have on there because they help to you know, again, we, as I was saying, it's easy to put some words down and yeah. to stick some posters <laughs> on a wall, but but actually seeing people uh, that kind of capture the spirit of the organization and what it's like to work somewhere yeah. so much more empowerful as an employer <laughs> brand, right? Thank you. Actually, the second video about Penconians was, uh, was made by our employee because we had uh, this summer boat party. Yeah. And uh, he brought his uh, GoPro. We didn't ask him. He just brought it. And uh, he was recording everything he could. And uh, then he just put it together. And um, low-cost uh, promo video we got. Fantastic. User-generated yeah. content. Yeah, I think that's how uh, maybe companies could do that as well. Yeah. You don't have to always use uh, a lot of money for it. Yeah. Yeah, we had a similar experience. We had a boat trip over summer. And uh, Raf, who's uh, our, our audio-visual star in our team, <laughs> and he does create a lot of our videos anyway, but he just brought his own camera along, recorded stuff, and, and we sort of shot that into a really small movie, which we mm -hmm. put onto, you know, broadcast through social channels. But it's so much more honest as well. You know, we don't need big budgets, and we don't need a complicated script sometimes just yeah. to give people a taste, an honest taste of what it's like to work for our companies. Exactly. I mean, it's more authentic. Yeah. And I think that's what people are actually looking for. So it's pretty clear that we're on board here, that we see the value in company culture, but I think there's still a lot of people out there who probably, you know, view company culture as beanbags and free lunches and bring your uh, job to work day, but not really see the true business value of taking time to develop a company culture. Um, what would you say to that? What would you say to the people who don't really understand the business value of building a company culture? Yeah, I see many people and many companies uh, seeing culture and fun as the same thing. And I don't really agree with that. That is the same thing. Work is work. Business is business. And fun is fun. And I see fun as a product of great culture. And what means a business value for me, uh, from my perspective, value is behavior framework. 
it's not connected with really like a people value. Like because as a person, you can have different value and maybe it's not super aligned with a company value, but you can still like the behavior framework company is giving you how to get work done. And and I think if people would see those values as a behavior framework, so kind of guideline from the business, how they want to see their employees work, that probably then they would understand a bit better what the value is because it's pretty a vague term used a lot right now. But what does it really mean, values? Because, yeah, I think it's just how people behave and how they uh, follow the gut. All right, makes sense. Thanks, Ava. So now let's have time for a quick break. This podcast is brought to you by SpeakUp, the communications and engagement platform that employees love to use. Okay, so we're going to start the second half by uh, diving into a fun question to help us get to know Ava a little better. So Ava, I'm wondering, what is, and this is a question we ask all our guests, what is the first app you look at on your phone in the morning and the last app that you look at at night? Okay, so depends on the morning. Yeah. And I need to have a coffee. So I would guess the first one, it's either Audible or uh, Get Abstract. Audible is for uh, listening books. And uh, Get Abstract uh, is an application when you can basically get key insights of hundreds, thousands of books in 10 minutes uh, text summaries or even in uh, audio summaries. So I have uh, hundreds of books in my list to read. But uh, I think my mortal life is not that long to read them all. So then I'm just reading these uh, summaries. And sometimes I already can find answers thanks to summaries. And uh, if I'm more interesting, then I'm reading the book. Okay. And what kind of books? Everything fiction, business? Um, so as I'm trying, as I'm playing this infinity game with myself, so be always uh, better than yesterday, uh, I'm trying to improve my life uh, in a way that sometimes I need to find uh, the guideline for that. So I'm reading books regarding business, trying to get new ideas, new inspirations, but as well sometimes find to uh, try to find some solution. So, yeah. Excellent. And how about the last app you look at on your phone before you go to bed <sighs> at night? I think that's uh, alarm clock, setting it up. Yeah. And uh, How does it work for you? <laughs> I don't like look there. (laughs) (laughs) So we created this podcast as a space to hear and learn from leaders and experts on how they create a thriving workplace. We know that there's no one size fits all solution. So what we do is we ask every guest five little rapid fire questions that we like to call the thrive five. And we hope that we give our listeners some valuable advice on how to inspire their workplace to thrive. Exciting. So first question, what is one thing that should be mandatory within every company? As a perk or benefit? As a perk or a benefit? Well, I would say that uh, flexible working time mean the way that if the company would be more result-oriented and, and uh, giving employees space to just, if their work is done, then they can go home or... They can do, some people like to work uh, evenings and maybe mornings they want to be with the kids. 
So I think the working, uh, flexible working time, I think is the most valuable perks companies should have. Yeah, I agree. I think the the nine to five kind of approach is such a, a throwback. Yeah. And and to a time, you know, we we live in a time where we're connected, whether it's by apps like Speak App or mm-hmm. you know email and and uh, messaging. So we can be in touch all the time. And, and the nine to five is a kind of throwback to the point where the only way we could contact people was by being in the office at the same yeah exactly. the same time. Um, and, and speaking from a personal perspective, you know, when I need to get writing done, um, I sometimes write better later at night or, um, I definitely need to work from home on those days. Yeah. Um, and does it matter if I start at 7am or do I have to wait till 9am before (laughs) I'm allowed to? Exactly. I mean, many companies are afraid of this benefit because they, they would think that people would use it against them, right? Against the business. But I think companies should understand that it would be against, if I would use it against company, I'm using it against myself because I can lose the job. And there is no sense that I would do that to myself. That's yeah. a really fair point. I, like, I only just started working in Europe this year and it's uh, definitely taken some getting used to because we don't have that sentiment in Australia and I feel almost like guilty or am I doing something wrong? Like I hate feeling like I'm you know, a bad person. So it's true. I wouldn't like, you don't want to take advantage of it because it doesn't make you feel good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people have common sense. I mean, they have. I mean, yeah, maybe one time, two times, you maybe use it a bit in a lazy way, but you would still be sure that your work is done. And ultimately, if it's making you produce better work, like who cares? Exactly. (laughs) Results matter. There's a lot of research showing that as well, that we should sort of embrace those ebbs and flows of the working life, right? That sometimes we're busier and sometimes we're not. And, and it's fine to work 50, 60 hours when we are busy and also cut down. Why should we assume that work is always at a 40-hour a week or 36-hour, whatever it might be, level? That it does have its sort of peaks and troughs and ebbs and flows and we should be flexible to those. Exactly. I concretely, I, I, I think that even like in Sweden, right? They right now like trying six hours work week, for example. Wow. So that would be amazing, I guess. Yeah, and most, most studies show that it's increasing productivity. Yeah. When people know they can leave earlier, when they can uh, get back to their families or enjoy their hobbies, then they also put six great hours in. Exactly. I can imagine the being mom, like going home sooner, so be with them, play with them, and then even get back to work. I mean, that would be a great solution. I had in my previous company unlimited, uh, for example, a vacation policy, and I didn't really use it that much. I think in total, maybe I had 30 days off out of what normally companies have 25 here. So it's not that much that I would use it. Yeah. I, again, I think the studies show that on average, it works out about the same. Yeah. Because people still need to get the job done. And, and it's also a sense, one of one of our values here at Speak Up is, is being sort of answerable to each other. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's really key in that environment. That you work for an organization that trusts you, yeah. but you also trust each other. Mm-hmm. And that that's a strong driver um, when you feel like you're letting down your teammates or, you know, the people that you work with every day. Yeah. Um, that drives people to to be responsible and to to put the work in. I think we mentioned previously on, and maybe it was last the last podcast as well. Even businesses like uh, McDonald's, for example, where obviously a lot of their employees can't be 
as flexible and can't mm. turn up when they want to turn up and leave when they want to leave. Otherwise, you know, drunk people will be <laughs> oh, yeah. in the line being really angry. But they're trying to really embrace that in terms of um, allowing members to or employees to, to sign up for the shift patterns which mm-hmm. best suit them so if they're a student maybe they want to work evenings more yeah. or if they're a mother then they want to avoid uh school time drop off and, and work uh, you know while the kids are in school or in the evenings mm-hmm. as well when there's grandparents to look after them so I think it's really it's something that it's obviously easier in certain organizations but it's something that all organizations can embrace yeah I, I completely agree and I think it's a good solution yeah okay second question if you could go back in time to the start of your career, what's the one piece of advice that you would give yourself? Mm, I would say just don't take life too serious. <laughs> and I would definitely say to myself, don't ask uh, yourself why this is happening to you. Don't blame others. Just take responsibility face the problem, and just go with the flow. That's a pretty good one. Well, lesson learned for me. <laughs> getting older, getting smarter. Yeah. <laughs> Third question. What are the most obvious signs that employers should look for that indicate their workplace culture might need a shake-up? Uh, I think there are many signs, and I think it can differ from the company and the culture, which one is there. But I think the most obvious sign is when you would enter a company and you just don't see people smiling and you see people closed in defense mode, always trying to be right or trying to prove their status, ego or level of their in the hierarchy they are or blame is there. I think bad sign is as well if people eat lunch uh, on their desks because it sometimes means that they don't have time to take a proper break or they are overworked or as well it means that leadership just don't do proper planning. So I think that could be as well Mr. Obvious uh, sign. Yeah, I like the, the sort of smiling, happy employees. When we were talking earlier about sort of the business value, one of the things that we talk about um, at Speak Up, obviously, is because we're, we're very focused on frontline employees. Mm-hmm. But you can really tell when you walk into a store or a restaurant and the employees are happy. Yeah. And when it's genuine, um, that really comes across and you have such a better experience as a customer because it, it feels so authentic yep. rather than kind of slapping a smile on and, uh, uh, you know, reading the lines <laughs> that they've been told to read. Um, oh, yeah. So in terms of the, the value, again, that has, to, that has to really lead to more business and to better customer experiences. I mean, as well, one of the signs is like, for example, me, I'm a person who has a hard time to smile like naturally. I have pretty serious face. <laughs> I think that's maybe connected that I'm from Eastern Europe. So we have a tough uh, face features. But, for example, greeting people, like if somebody entering the office, in, in, I think in bad culture, it would be like just not even good morning or hi, peeps, hi, colleagues, how, how are you? Just no communication. And I think that's uh, as well really bad sign. Yeah. If work feels like work, then uh, it's not a good thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the work is great. I mean, all of us want to have impact, right? Yeah. We want to do something. Yeah, exactly. 
Okay, question four, and I'm looking forward to the answer to this because you've already told us you're uh, a big reader <laughs> and uh, on the mission to improve yourself every day. So what are the books or resources that you'd recommend to other people who are interested in company culture? Mm-hmm. So I kind of remember the most the last couple of books I read, but I think my my the favorite and the the most important book, which one I read just like a month ago, was from uh, Daniel Coyle, uh, Culture Code. Yeah. Really good one. I really find myself there and I realized that it's exactly what I believe. So that was really a big impact book on me. And then as well, the other book, uh, Culture Wins. So the name is really hard to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to try it. <laughs> People can Google. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the, um, the name of the book in the show notes. Yeah. Okay, final question for you. What is one small change that all employers can easily make starting today that could help their workplace to thrive? I think what people can do already today, and it doesn't cost any money, anything, is just start overdoing thanks and please. It's everybody every time would say thank you. People will just become so happier and please as well. And there as well big science about uh, thanking people. Mm. It's just proving science, proving that when people thank each other, uh, it's uh, supporting the uh, the cooperation between people. So you most likely are gonna help your colleague if he before thank you for the first uh, help. So it just People start thanking each other and just it's a small appreciation you could do. Yeah. I'm very on board with that. I didn't realize Australia has such a culture of like every time you ask for something, it's really like, please, can you help me? And I came here and everyone's like, yeah, of course, it's my job. Like no big deal. But I think it's nice to show gratitude and kind of create like a warm environment in the workplace. I think a culture of appreciation is the strongest so I do believe and appreciation starting with please and thank you. Yeah, well, obviously I'm British, so I can't do anything without saying please and thank you. <laughs> uh, also, or apologizing, I'm sorry. but uh, <laughs> I'm sorry for being yeah. here. Or like <laughs> Canadians, right? They are sorry for everything. Sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was at a conference a while ago and they were talking about recognition. And obviously there are recognition programs you can set up where I don't know, you get points or you mm-hmm. win prizes or you get... Uh, monetary awards but often recognition just comes from especially from leadership but equally from your peers just saying thank you for something and if you hear that I don't know there's something if you hear Mm -hmm. two to three times a day somebody thanking you you become x percent more engaged in your job purely from something that simple I do believe that uh, peer-to-peer feedback is uh, way more stronger than uh, feedback from managers because uh it creates a connection and trust between colleagues. So, uh, and then the team is way more bonded and then just leader can follow as well. Of course, it's important as well from leader down, but I think peer-to-peer is way more stronger. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. Uh, by the way, I was just looking up Culture Wins is by William von der Blumen. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, uh, recommend people... Take a look, uh, go to Amazon, get their uh, copy of that. Definitely. Yeah. 
Well, thank you very much, Eva. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me. No problem. I hope to have you back soon. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you've liked our podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. You can also contact us via email at podcast at speakup.com. Are you feeling inspired to engage with your employees after today's podcast? SpeakUp is the branded communications platform that delivers 30% more sharing between colleagues. Head to speakup.com to find out how you can reduce the noise and increase the buzz by engaging with your workforce in a smarter way. Thanks for listening again, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.